cows. 1.5 billion of them spread across the planet, each with four stomachs. That's six billion stomachs. Methane, a powerful greenhouse gas that captures about 80 times more heat or contributes about 80 times as much to climate change as carbon dioxide does, at least in the short term. And cows emit anywhere from 250 to 500 liters of methane every day. Overall, livestock emit about 30% of all methane emissions worldwide, which is one factor that makes cows such a big part of the climate change equation. You've probably heard some variation on this before, but here's something I just learned a few weeks ago. Most of the methane doesn't come from... It comes from... That's right. Cows, with their four stomachs, burp out a lot more methane than they um, pass out the other end, about 20 times as much. And corn-fed cows burp out almost twice as much methane as grass-fed ones do. But a Swiss company called Zaluvida developed a product called Mutrol, like neutral but with a moo instead of a new, that kills off the bad bacteria in the stomachs of cows and other ruminants, which is what we call four-stomached beasts like cows, goats, and sheep. By killing off the bad bacteria, Mutrol makes the animals healthier and slashes the methane in their burps by about 30%. Can this new tool help to slow climate change? Man may be unwittingly changing the world's climate through the waste products of his civilization. There's a group of us now who are proposing that the Earth has actually entered a new epoch, and that is the Anthropocene. We know that the enemy is carbon, and we know it's ugly face. We should put a big fat price on it, and of course, add to that, drop the subsidies. Earth. We broke it, we own it. And nothing is as it was. Not the trees, not the seas, not the forests, farms, or fields, and not the global economy that depends on all of these. But we can restore it, make it better, greener, more resilient, more sustainable. But how? Technology? Geoengineering? Are we doomed to live on a bionic planet, or is nature itself the answer? That's the question we address in every episode of Bionic Planet, a podcast of the Anthropocene, the new epoch defined by man's impact on Earth. And today we talk to the makers of Mutrol, a new compound that slashes the amount of methane that cows burp out. We tell you how it works, what it costs, and we hear about the innovative financing mechanisms that its makers hope will spread it to farmers around the world. How do I pronounce your, your last name again? Um, well, in French it's Mathras, but in English it's Mathras. Mathras. Okay. Unlike um, M&M, who's Mathers. Oh, is it spelled the same? Almost, almost the same. I first met Michael Mathras at the end of last year in Marrakesh, Morocco, for the year-end climate talks there. But we didn't get a chance to talk much. I caught up to him again at the Innovate for Climate conference in Barcelona, where we conducted this interview in the Mutual booth. I'll share that with you in a second, but first I wanted to thank 
two new patrons, PJ Connolly of Madison, Wisconsin, and Hannes Stefan of the UK. It's great to be appreciated. And if this keeps up, I might even be in the black soon. If you like what you hear and want to help, you can give me a good rating on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you access podcasts. Or you can share Bionic Planet with friends. Or, the ultimate support, become a patron at bionic-planet.com. Once again, that's bionic-planet.com. I've set the patronage page up so that you can help per episode, but with a monthly cap. So, if you think $5 per month is good, you can pledge $1 per episode, but with a $5 cap. That way, if I don't manage to generate five episodes in a month, you're not paying for something you didn't get. And if I go nuts and deliver 20 episodes, you won't get whacked either. By the same token, you can offer $5 per episode, or 10 or 50 or whatever. I won't complain. I'm aiming to mostly do interview-based episodes right now, but given the complexity of the material, I'll be interjecting occasionally to clarify certain concepts. It's a hybrid between a straight interview and a feature package, although I still think that deeply structured packages are the best way to tell complex stories. Unfortunately, they take a lot of time to construct and require the help of a good sound technician to do them right. Until I can afford that, I'm concentrating on generating these simpler, single-issue, single-guest podcasts. Now, back to the interview. Okay, and we're talking today with uh, Michael Michael Mathris, who works for a Swiss company called Zaluvida, and his job is to oversee the production of Mutral, which basically makes something akin to Bino for cows, right? Is that a good way to put it? It's, uh, well, <laughs> that's another way to put it, but uh, yeah, it's basically a natural feed supplement uh, for the cows to help reduce the, their emissions, their methane emissions, by at least uh, 30%. I've been in this business for a while, and I was still shocked to see how much more powerful than carbon dioxide methane really is. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very little known fact. If you do like for like, so over a 100-year period, See, if you compare CO2 to CH4, which is methane, uh, methane is 21 times more uh, powerful. When more powerful, that means uh, the global warming potential of methane is 21 times more powerful than CO2 over a 100-year period. Mm -hmm. However, uh, if you look at it from uh, the life uh, span of the methane gas, of the methane molecule, um, it's actually 84 times more powerful than CO2. I alluded to this at the start, and I'll do an entire episode just on methane, but it's worth taking a moment to reflect on what Michael is referring to, because he's touching on an issue that's a huge point of contention in the climate community. And climate science deniers like the Koch brothers and their trained monkeys at the Heartland Institute love to distort contentious issues to discredit the entire body of climate science. So let me give you a super simple summary of methane. First, we talk about a carbon footprint, but there are actually six major greenhouse gases, and each is a little different. Methane is one of those gases, and in the very short term of a few years, it traps about 100 times more heat than carbon dioxide does. But it also breaks down into carbon dioxide over a period of 10 to 20 years. What this means is that, over a period of 100 years, methane is only 25 times as bad as carbon dioxide. But over 20 years, it's more than 80 times as bad. Let me repeat that, because it's a lot to swallow. 
Over a hundred years, methane traps 25 times as much heat as carbon dioxide does. But over 20 years, it traps more than 80 times as much heat. Now, scientists managed to simplify the mess, albeit imperfectly, by coming up with something called CO2E, which stands for carbon dioxide equivalent and acts as a standardized measurement of greenhouse gases. It works by first determining how many times worse than carbon dioxide a given greenhouse gas is over the next century and using that as the multiplier. For example, because methane is 25 times worse than carbon dioxide over 100 years, its multiplier is 25. So, if you look at the most recent State of Voluntary Carbon Markets report, which we examined in episode 14, you'll see a reference to landfill methane. That's because landfills are kind of like giant man-made cow stomachs, and all that stuff in there ferments. Methane is the result. Now dive into that report, and you'll find that last year, Ecosystem Marketplace tracked voluntary carbon transactions that captured enough methane to prevent 4.6 million tons of CO2e from escaping into the atmosphere. But remember, CO2e is the carbon dioxide equivalent over 100 years. And over 100 years, methane is 25 times worse than carbon dioxide. So that 4.6 million tons of CO2e is really less than 200,000 tons of methane, about 184,000 tons to be exact. With me so far? Here's the controversy. Rising temperatures will force our natural systems to release more and more methane. And if we warm the Earth more than 2 degrees Celsius, all of the climate models go crazy. No one really knows what happens after that, but it isn't good. Michael will get into this shortly, but I wanted to explain it here as well. More and more scientists and environmental NGOs argue that the multiplier should be more like 80, because the next 20 years are so important. By that measure, the 184,000 tons of methane that Ecosystem Marketplace tracked last year is really more like 14.7 million tons of carbon dioxide. So methane is extremely, extremely, much, much more uh, warming uh, potential than uh, CO2, and that's why it's important that, well, A, more people know about it, and that B, we uh, are able to tackle it uh, immediately because it would really, really help the world meet its target of... Uh, uh, of a world uh, under two degrees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and by the life cycle or the lifetime, um, that's about 20 years, I think, right? Yes, it's, that's correct. So methane uh, lasts about 20 years, whereas CO2 lasts 100 years or more. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's why, uh, in essence, uh, when you talk, when you discuss about the goals, and I think you've seen the clock the, uh, that's at the, uh, at the entrance that's at uh, that says it's the carbon counter. No, that, I walked right yeah, past should, that yeah, and didn't you see should, it. You <laughs> should check it out. But basically, it, it lets us know that we only have 16 years left uh -huh. of our carbon budget. Let me pop in again. The carbon budget he is referring to is the maximum amount of greenhouse gas that can be released into the atmosphere before we hit the two-degree limit. Climate science deniers love to point out that there's some disagreement over this number, which there is. But it's mostly a question of decimal points, of how much rather than if. We'll soon be doing a whole episode just on the carbon budget as well. So it makes no sense to, to talk about a gas that lasts 100 years uh, when we only have 16 years to uh, fix things. So that's why uh, 
it's an even more important issue to uh, try to tackle methane in the next you know 16 years yeah that's something we get into a lot with with the whole issue of carbon neutrality because uh, if you're offsetting methane emissions with a co2 reduction and the standard is based on the 100 year cycle you're really not offsetting because in the short term you're creating so much more absolutely no you're absolutely correct and uh, that's why it is important also to do a carbon offset like for like so it should be a methane offset if you are releasing uh, methane such as the gas companies or the, the, the big energy companies that do that. Mm -hmm. Going back to your your company, how exactly does this, this product work, this Mutrol? The natural feed supplement is actually made up of two key natural ingredients. Uh, those are uh, garlic uh, extract, extracts from uh, garlic, and extract from orange peel. And uh, our very um, uh, talented uh, bioscientists, uh, biotech scientists are able to extract those specific compounds and make a powder. And that powder, then we basically put that powder into the feed of the cow and uh, then we just uh, give the feed to that cow. Mm -hmm. Quick note, there are other products that aim to reduce the methane from cows, including one called 3-nitro-oxypropanol or 3-NOP. Mutril is made from natural ingredients, but I can't really say which is better. Now, you're a vegetarian, right? Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a pescatarian, but okay. I only eat uh, you know, fish once, uh, once a week. Uh -huh. yeah. I mean, shouldn't we just get rid of cows entirely then? No, we don't condone you know, the, the fact that uh, you know, people uh, you know, eat meat uh, every day. That's, that's not what I'm here for, and that's not what I preach. What I know is that there is a big problem that... Uh, uh, that the livestock industry uh, poses and um, I or we have a solution to help reduce those emissions uh, from those cows. Um, as you probably know, the livestock industry in a lot of countries is a big part of not just their economy but their culture and their society. And so cows in general, actually you know that there are 1.5 billion cows on earth, cows will continue to be here on earth. So that problem needs to be addressed and, uh, and that we have that solution to help uh, not just the cow become uh, you know happier and healthier but also help the farmers themselves uh, with a solution so that they cannot just reduce mm -hmm. the emissions but also earn uh, more money through uh, through mutual okay the emissions come from uh, you know they're they're burping and you know and farting, I guess, for lack of a better word, and and also from the from the manure. Yes. So a, a cow actually, if you look at the, you you look at the upstream and the downstream mm -hmm. uh, uh, emissions. So uh, you're absolutely correct. Um, but just to to put it in perspective, um, the actual the majority of the methane production uh, of the cow is through its belching. So when it belches. Uh, it uh, it actually emits uh, about 90% you know of its emissions, um, and uh, that's where you know the meth most of the methane comes out of is out of its mouth. Uh, the actual flatulence is a bit of a myth uh, because actually it flatulates about five percent, five to ten percent mm. of of, the, of of its time. Uh, the majority of it comes actually just uh, out of its mouth. That's interesting. I've actually written articles that have to be corrected then, because I <laughs> I always thought it came. Yeah, off but the that's other the thing. End. But I think it, it 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 makes it more readable and and it's more catchy if you yeah. say yeah, a cow farts than just a <laughs> cow burp. And by the way, 
you never hear a cow burp and that that's also why you know people don't realize that you never uh, right. hear when the cow uh, uh, is in the is in the field or is in the uh, in the farm that it actually burps every minute mm -hmm. you know so right, but right. if you heard it every minute then you would probably do something about it there's also these devices uh they were s talking about distributing them in parts of Latin America that were kind of like fart catchers. Have you heard of those? <laughs> Have you heard of that? Yes, there, that was, the there, was a, there was this crazy idea, actually, of, uh, I think it was in Argentina, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. where they were trying to um, put a device up the, the, uh, <laughs> up the cow's uh, bottom uh, to, to catch the gas, when actually the gas, most of the gas comes out of its mouth and so, as you probably can imagine, if you did put such a device It'd around the head, yeah. it would, then would just suffocate. Right, right. Um, so that's why it's both, yeah, funny and just purely sad. impractical yeah, and, yeah. and sad. But uh, also, the the far the if you just capture uh, methane in a in a barn, aren't you capturing the burps as well, or is that no? That's just to capture the manure. There isn't a really? device or a farm that where we're able to to capture the 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 methane from the the burps of the of the cows. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and I think this this, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen such a device or such an infrastructure, but I would imagine that if there w was one, it would just be too dangerous because there would be so much methane in the room that. You know, uh, just a spark would just probably just <laughs> right, right, <laughs> light right. everything up. Yeah, <laughs> can we just feed cows garlic and 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 and, and orange peels? <laughs> no, we we can't. That's that, well, that's a very good question. But unfortunately, it's actually the specific compounds in the garlic and the specific compounds in the orange peel uh, that um, have this uh, effect on the bacteria inside the cow. So, um, no, of course, a cow could eat, you know, garlic and oranges, but it, would ha it wouldn't have that same, same effect as those specific compounds that are extracted um, and then uh, dosaged in the right way and formulated in the right way so that it attacks specifically those uh, bacteria. Mm -hmm. Okay. How much, how much would it cost mm -hmm. per cow to administer this treatment? Yeah, so basically, um, the price that we uh, envisage, because right now we're not at scale, we're really just, you know, in, uh, you know, launching mode. Uh, but we envisage that when we are at scale, that the price would be about $50 uh, per cow per year. Mm -hmm. So as you can imagine, if you uh, translate it for a, a farmer, it's about pennies uh, uh, a day. Mm -hmm. And I, I can see that being a marginal cost in say the United States but in say Kenya where you have these these farmers are barely getting by they won't be able to afford that no yeah uh, I, I mean yeah I mean you're 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 partly right so we have a few mechanisms or a few ideas uh, of how to um, approach the uh, the emerging markets um, we're for example talking with the World Bank uh, mm -hmm. at the moment to figure out well how can we work together to implement you know uh, our technology in those countries because as you rightly say so uh, they can't afford it so um, they have some ideas we have some ideas it revolves around potentially doing a carbon offset scheme with a developed country that's the second time he's mentioned offsetting which is when you reduce your carbon footprint by reducing emissions someplace else for a deeper dive into offsetting check out episode 14 mm -hmm or also potentially doing bilateral agreements between emerging countries. Because mm -hmm. as you probably know, you know, the trading between China and Brazil, Brazil ships a lot of beef to China and China mm -hmm. ships other things. So, so 
in that bilater bilateral trade agreement, there could be a, a way of uh, funding uh, the carbon neutrality of the beef that is imported into uh, China. Right, right, right. Okay. Now, you're for profit as well. This is not a charitable venture. No, we're we're certainly not uh, an NGO and, and, and not for profit. We're uh, we're 100% you know commercial enterprise. We're a private company that is based in uh, Switzerland, uh, near Geneva. We believe that to really solve this problem of livestock emissions, we have to do it in a commercial way. Otherwise, it would make no sense. And this is no pun intended. Uh, no sense for the farmers uh, because the farmers, <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know if you know any farmers, but they're very very pragmatic yeah uh, they understand about you know uh, livestock and they understand about yield they understand about the quality and the quantity of their product and if they if somebody comes up and tells them you know you have to do this and you have to do that and they cannot earn more money or it makes no commercial sense mm -hmm. then I'm sorry but they won't do it <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so yeah. that's why you know it's important for us uh, to propose a mm -hmm. commercial you know solution to solving uh, this issue that they have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did a piece earlier about farmers in Kenya. We did an episode of Bionic Planet on that. I forget which one it was. Uh, I think it was number eight, but I'd have to double-check that. I double-checked, and it's episode seven. It was interesting to see how much productivity they got out of four acres by aggressively managing the land and applying agroforestry. And then one, their big aim was to do that and then go buy a cow. And uh, one of the interesting things that came out of that was that uh, Dan and, and uh, the Livelihoods Fund are helping to finance them. And one of the ways they're doing, one of the ways they're hoping to do that is by earning carbon offsets for uh, methane efficiency. Because mm -hmm. by, by improving the nutrition that they're giving the cows, they'll get more milk per liter or per whatever the unit mm -hmm. of measurement of methane is. I yeah. thought that was interesting. Yeah. And I could see how this could fit into something like that as well. Yeah. Are you yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's all about the productivity of the cow and the high yield that you're getting out from the cow. And that's precisely, that's one of the attributes actually of, of, uh, of Mutual is actually, in, in essence, it actually helps the cow digest. Mm. That's, that's, that's what it does because it kills the bad bacteria that, you know, makes it uh, not digest properly. So when it does that, it actually has more energy to spend on uh, producing what it needs to produce. It means the cow. And the interesting thing is that by taking away the so-called bad bacteria that make it burp, Mutro lets the cow use its energy for other things, like making milk. Incidentally, I had food poisoning while in Barcelona, and I gobbled some Mutril and felt great afterwards. That's not a scientific study, and Mathras isn't making human health claims yet, but they are researching it. So at the moment, we're finishing trials uh, to measure that and to quantify that, but our literature and our evidence, scientific evidence, uh, suggests that the uh, uh, productive productivity of the cow is higher uh, when uh, it eats mucho because it digests uh, better. Wow, okay. So there might even be more, meth more methane efficiency in addition to... That's correct. So actually we're looking into, you know, not just the quality of the milk and the quality of the meat, oh, okay. but also in the quantities to, in to, to see, to figure out, you know, how much more uh, products uh, the farmer will get uh, out of the cow.
So it could it, it could have better quality in terms of better taste, better flavor, or is, or, or is that too speculative? I don't know. I don't want. So yeah. in terms, no, it's a good question. The in in terms of um, the milk, the uh, evidence that we are gathering right now suggests that uh, the milk is actually creamier. There's more fatty acids and more protein uh, than uh, without mucho, uh, simply because once again. The cow is a bit healthier mm -hmm. and it helps uh, it digest, so therefore it has more energy that it can spend on producing the good nutrients that it needs to produce in its uh, milk. And in terms of the uh, meat, no, there's no you know uh, additional flavoring. It's just that... Um, it, it doesn't come with a garlic flavor. No, it doesn't <laughs> come with a garlic flavor. But actually, <coughs> there's a video that's running right now uh, where we did a beef tasting uh, in Italy uh, for the Italian media. And we basically fed uh, Mucho to uh, some uh, Shaolais uh, cows, which is a very, very high quality uh, cow. And we made it uh, uh, cook by a chef and the chef cooked it. And, you know, uh, he, she actually uh, thought that the quality was uh, very, very good. Uh, there was nothing wrong with the meat and uh, the taste was good. The texture was good. Everything was positive about it. Okay. Now you've got these charts on the wall here. Yes. Uh, which uh, <laughs> look pretty interesting, and it looks like it's your business case lined up, right? That's correct. Can we yeah. maybe do a walkthrough on these? Yeah, I don't know absolutely. If we could walk along or. Sure, sure. Let me. Okay, so we'll start at the. This is like a flow chart you've got here, and it yes, starts out. Now correct. I see. Okay, so you start out, you've got a little garlic clove and an orange. <laughs> yeah, so, <coughs> right, uh, so the first panel is uh, what we call just the uh, livestock supply chain. Mm -hmm. And so we start with our ingredients, which are the two natural ingredients that we use, which are the garlic extracts and the orange peel extract. Then we make the powder. The scientists make our powder, and then the powder is given to the feed mill. And then the feed mill, of course, give it to the farmers. The farmers feed it to its cows. And then that's where the uh, methane reduction happens, well, at least 30%. And then, of course, the farmer sells the premium product, because it is, at the end of the day, a premium product, to it's to the supermarkets or to the retailers or to the producers. And you've got to, you've got to hear climate smart beef and dairy. Yeah, so, so that'll be the part of the brand. This is a branding. concept that we've uh, that we've created, and that's one of the market mechanisms that we want to introduce. Uh, it's called climate smart beef, which basically means that the beef, uh, or actually also the climate dairy, climate smart dairy products, are uh, carbon uh, friendly. Um, so it's very much in line with you know the organic standard that it's you know more environmentally friendly. And so then, of course, the retailer can use that climate smart uh, label to basically sell that premium product to the consumers. And then, of course, the consumers understand that they've purchased a climate smart product from a cow. Mm -hmm. uh, so therefore, supporting uh, the farmers and making sure that that money goes to uh, the, the farmer uh, uh, itself. And it looks like you've got feedback loops in here as well. That's correct. So this is just to uh, showcase where the value creation, the money mm. created, is, is, is created. So the additional revenue from the premium product is given, obviously, to the retailer or to the producer. And then, of course, that money is provided to the farmer. And then, of course, the farmer demands the mutual and provides the revenue to the feed mill. Right. And then, of course, the feed mill... Uh, gives us the money so that we are able to produce uh, mutual. Okay, and you, you mentioned carbon offsets earlier. Um, that's correct. So uh, it, that's the in the second panel. Okay. So this is the second panel. So the 
we have a new concept that we call the cow credit. Okay. So the cow credit is a new high quality carbon offset that we want to introduce uh, probably not this year, but in the coming years, depending on which uh, route we take. We, of course, want to introduce it first on the voluntary markets because that will be easier and then uh, go into maybe the regulated markets uh, later on. Another bit of clarification, there are two types of carbon markets. Compliance markets, also known as cap and trade, where a government puts a cap on overall emissions and lets companies trade their emission reductions to funnel money into the most efficient technologies. And then voluntary markets, where companies or people buy offsets because it's the right thing to do not because they're obligated to. But basically, uh, there's two ways that we see uh, that we, we could you know, potentially introduce the cow credit. So a consumer can basically go through two routes. One is through a what we call a cow funding platform. So it's a play <laughs> like on Like crowdfunding, yeah. Crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. So the cow funding basically allows the consumer to purchase a cow credit from a particular farm. So we, on the cow funding platform, you know, you'll, be, you'll have your local farmer and then you'll be able to purchase the cow credit specifically to the, from that local farm. So then you know that that money goes directly to uh, 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 that, that, that farm and you can see that farm you know, online. Um, and then the second way is you just buy a carbon offset through either you know, uh, a, a business or through, for example, a um, you know your airline uh, uh, flight that you want to 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 offset, and then that business or that airline just buys the uh, uh, just provides the uh, um, the money to uh, to the farmer, and then uh, the cow credit is, is is issued. So those are the two ways that we uh, envisage the uh, uh, cow credit to uh, to be produced. Are you talking to any of the the standard the carbon standards? Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, we're right now. That's one of the reasons why we are here is to discuss uh, with the various uh, standards, but you know also consultancies and financiers of figuring out what's the most efficient, you know, and effective way of uh, uh, producing uh, this uh, new uh, carbon offsets scheme. Mm -hmm. My colleague Kelly had mentioned that you were in the process of setting something up in California, right? Is that? So, <laughs> exactly. So our objective this year is to um, conduct uh, pilot projects. Mm -hmm. So a pilot project is very simple. One is to just re-verify, you know, that everything is fine in terms of the, you know, the effects and the scientific evidence within that territory because all the pilot projects, all the trials, all the scientific trials that we've conducted so far have been in, uh, in Europe. And then secondly, it's to activate those two market mechanisms that I've just uh, discussed. First of all, introduce the climate smart uh, label or standard in that particular <coughs> country and also introduce the Cal credit uh, into that country and understand what are the economic mechanisms uh, that apply in that particular market and to see that everything works well and that you know the money flows in the right way and that everything is transparent and everything is is uh, works that in, in the way that it should work i can see how this would work how the carbon offsets would work in say developing countries because of the additionality component mm -hmm. meaning that you have to show that the the carbon offset actually made the emission reduction uh, possible.
Let me expand on this a bit, because additionality is another one of those funky concepts that we'll have to build a whole episode around shortly. In a nutshell, additionality means you can't call something an offset unless you can show that the payment made the emission reduction possible. If you build a solar installation today, for example, the economics are such that it's probably going to generate cheap electricity that beats coal, so you can't use carbon finance to build it. But that wasn't always the case. Just a few short years ago, you needed carbon finance and or government subsidies to get renewable energy projects off the ground. Likewise, in the case of Mutrel, $50 per year isn't much for a U.S. farmer, especially if he gets better milk. But it could be a deal breaker in developing countries, which is where I take it now. I can see why that would be a valid argument in in Kenya, do you do you see that as an issue in the U.S. or is it, you know, do you see the the cost as being so marginal that maybe that the the additional marketing could make up for that? Or I mean, so there's one specific element that we didn't discuss, and the reason is that we don't have those numbers yet, mm-hmm. and that's the economic, uh, you know, the higher yield that you that you get. Uh, it, it may be that the uh, economic case, which is you know that one, mm-hmm. just justifies in itself the the purchase of mutual. So, what I mean is that when the farmer feeds mutual to its cows, it produces more milk or uh, more protein, more beef, mm-hmm. and therefore the production of, of that yield when it's when it sells it to uh, the producer or retailer offsets the cost of mutual. Mm-hmm. So. Um, if that is the case, then the cow credit is actually just an additional revenue. It's mm. a bonus right. for the farmers. But it's not an offset, which means you can't claim to have reduced your own emissions even if you did some good. Again, additionality is a complex issue and one we'll be diving into in more detail and hopefully more clarity later on. Our ideal scenario is that that will be the case, mm-hmm. that you know, uh, mutual will actually just be a really, really nice uh, feed supplement that the uh, people, uh, that the farmers will be able to purchase and um, and that it will help uh, it with uh, uh, producing more meat or more milk. Um, and the cow credit will actually just be an additional revenue uh, for the farmers. Mm-hmm. And so we could imagine that <coughs> if that's the case, then in uh, emerging countries, uh, that would be a, a fantastic, you know, opportunity for those uh, farmers to get more revenues uh, for them for themselves. Would that be enough to overcome that? Or I, I really don't like this idea of absolute additionality because I think anything that makes these changes happen more quickly is worthwhile. But that is a concern. Yeah, I I, I know what you mean, but the, the bottom line, and, and I think that's where you're getting at, is that at the moment there aren't any solutions to reduce you know emissions from enteric fermentation uh, methane that happens from the cow so we're really just introducing something new into the market and uh, if we didn't exist it wouldn't happen yeah so uh, unless there's a uh, you know a, a new solution that comes on the market right now and it's given to all everybody I mean to all the cows and to all the farmers around the world uh, our solution is is really just uh, a brand new one, and therefore the additionality issue is is really just uh, a relative one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, anything you wanted to add, or do you think we've covered everything? 
Well, I think the, I, I just want to, you know, uh, go back to, to, to this one because our philosophy, and it's, it's not really written here, but there's a, a specific uh, a play on word that we, uh, we uh, like to talk about, and that's the win-win-win-win uh, situation. Mm -hmm. So we would like, we like to, to say that because actually we are trying to create a win-win-win-win situation. We're creating a win situation for the farmer because they're going to earn more money, a win situation for the retailers, because they're going to also provide a premium uh, product to uh, the consumers. We're creating a win situation for the consumers because they have a better option to, you know, to purchase beef or, or dairy while at, at the same time you know, uh, making sure that they're uh, reducing, helping to reduce the methane emissions around the world. And then, of course, there's a win for the governments because then they're able to meet their national plans because a lot of those governments and some of them are here mm -hmm. uh, today. I uh, need to have a big livestock industry, and they, you know, that uh, livestock industry is a big part of their carbon budget, and therefore they need to provide a a solution for it to reduce and meet their targets. California is a perfect example. You know, mm -hmm. 40 percent methane uh, reduction targets by 2030. It, there's a, those are massive, massive numbers, and. Uh, Fortunately or unfortunately, uh, uh, the, the livestock industry is uh, the majority part uh, uh, responsible for, for that. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thanks. That, that, that's a good place to end it, I think. That helps a lot. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Michael Mathras of Mutral, wrapping up this edition of Bionic Planet. And if you want to learn more about Mutral and methane, Kelly Hamrick of Ecosystem Marketplace will be helping me to incorporate parts of this episode into an article on Ecosystem Marketplace, hopefully next week. We'll add that story to the show notes for this episode, episode 15, at bionic-planet.com. But check it out on Ecosystem Marketplace as well. We've got another episode coming up in a few days, this time featuring Batron Picard, the first man to fly around the world in a solar-powered plane. Now he's looking to get 1,000 profitable clean climate solutions off the ground by the end of next year. Finally, if you like what you've heard so far, be sure to let others know and give us a good review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you access podcasts. You can also become a patron on bionic-planet.com. If enough of you help me out with just $1 an episode, I can take the time to do these right. You know, every time I listen to one, I hear something I want to do over. Something where I talked too fast or had my mouth too close to the microphone or just didn't make the sense that I wanted to. But doing them over takes time. Doing them once takes time. <laughs> and a good sound man. And a team of people who can be a second set of ears before I hit the upload button. Your support can make that possible. But that's all for today. Until next time, I'm Steve Zwick in Chicago saying thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.